MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Friday, September 10th, 2021. Today, the Department of Justice files suit against Texas calling the SB8 abortion law unconstitutional. A Capitol Police memo warns of potential violence during a September 18th rally. The FBI is investigating seditious conspiracy tied to the insurrection. And Biden announces new vaccine and mask requirements. I'm Allison Gill, and today is a very special Daily Beans with Dana Goldberg and Mary Trump. I deign to ask how everyone's doing. So instead, I say, welcome, Dana and Mary. After you, milady. What's good, Mary? <laughs> You're kidding, right? <laughs> yeah, I'm absolutely. Don't answer that. Okay. Let's just. Good. We're going to toast and drink. We're day drinking. Uh, hopefully, if anyone out there is listening, you're also doing the same. I know our listeners and I know most of you are very high right now. So hopefully we're getting through this <laughs> mission. I am not day drinking because I'm on the East Coast. I'm I'm behaving responsibly. You are? It's fixed. Oh, <laughs> how can you be drinking at the same time as me and somehow one of us is responsible? <laughs> I protest. <laughs> I wasn't drinking at 312. <laughs> I hosted a, a conference today and I, we made cocktails at 11 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. So, oh my God. Yeah. Well, you know, airport rules. Absolutely. That's what I say mm-hmm. right now. Airport yeah, rules. Yeah. During the apocalypse, airport rules apply. I, I concur wholeheartedly. We're usually joined Fridays by Amy Carrera, but she's doing movie star stuff today. So, uh, Dana and Mary have kindly agreed to help out. The reason we have Mary with us today is because this Sunday, Dana, you and I will be starting a new MSW book club series, and we'll be reading and discussing Mary's new book, The Reckoning, Our Nation's Trauma and Finding a Way to Heal, and more on that in a bit. But speaking of trauma, I wanted to get everyone's top line reaction on the news today that the Department of Justice is suing Texas over SB8, the abortion law. I've read the suit, and it's very strong. It says, among other things including violations of the Supremacy Clause of the 14th Amendment and interstate commerce considerations and, you know, uh, irreparable harm to the federal government, that because the state is granting private citizens the ability to enforce this law, the vigilantes, Mm -hmm. the state is, in fact, deputizing them, making them an arm of the state, which allows the Department of Justice to bring this suit and calling it unconstitutional. I thought this was not what most of the experts were were thinking the lawsuit was going to be about. They were going to they wanted the Department of Justice to, you know, criminalize the vigilantes. But they're actually saying you've deputized them. That makes them part of the state. That makes this an unconstitutional law. And I can bring this action. What do you all I mean, first of all, this whole week and a half has been absolutely traumatic and triggering and and horrifying. And we were all calling for hoping that the Department of Justice was going to do something. And whether or not that pressure is what caused this to happen, I don't care. I'm, st- I'm not going to stay quiet. But what are your thoughts on, on how this came about? Do you think that this was just something they were already planning to do? Because he didn't make much of a very strong statement last week, did he? Uh, no, it was tepid and not far reaching. What it say is, uh, of course, I'm, I'm greatly relieved by this announcement. It has the teeth, I believe, and it's strong in a way it needed to be. So having said that, I do think it's important to hold 
Garland accountable in in some ways. I thought it was inexcusable for him not to come out with a statement immediately. I understand he can't say anything that would tie him to a proceeding that he ultimately can't go through with. I get it. However, we need transparency from this Department of Justice. We need like he could have explained that to the American people. He could have said, listen, I cannot render uh, any kind of verdict on this in legal terms because it is going to take us a while to sift through this and to come up with the appropriate response. However, we're horrified and we will do everything in our power to make sure that justice is done here to the extent that it can be. That's all he needed to do. That doesn't tie him to anything. No, and it did take him uh, Wednesday was the law, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It took him five days to to make his tepid statement is is kind of the point you're driving home to. Yeah, because it it's demoralizing. And we're I'm sick of having all of us be demoralized. A strong statement of support. That's all that needed to happen. You didn't have to say, oh, we're absolutely going to craft this whatever. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. But just letting people know that the process was working and that their immediate take is that this is wrong and they're going to get to the bottom of how best to approach. That's it. That's all you had to do. I'm sick of this behind closed doors thing. I'm sick of not knowing what's going on, having to just have faith in people, just demonstrate a little humanity and empathy and also demonstrate an understanding that most of us don't know the rationale behind having it take a week. It's just like a crushing blow. Right. Right. And we're not five. Like, explain it to us. You know, like, say, hey, I know you want to hear something right now. Here's why we can't or something to that effect. That's all that I've personally been asking for. Mm -hmm. I mean, not personally, like I called up Merrick and said, hey, pal, can you? No, but like, that's what I've been saying. And Biden gave a, a very strong, fast statement. I thought. And maybe there was some discussion behind the scenes, like because of this new memo put out by the Justice Department, you and Dana, you and I talked about this, where like he's putting that wall back up between the presidency and and the Department of Justice. Maybe there was some delay in consideration of that or something, but they but they won't even tell us what what it is or why I think is kind of what you're saying. Absolutely. I, I my frustration is definitely the lack of transparency. But one of the things, and I'm not sure if uh, AG and Mary, if you saw this, I don't know if you watched Maddow. I, I'm most, most of us do. But the story about this bar in Massachusetts that gives precedent from like 1982 or something for this lawsuit. So I, I know if this is news, I apologize because you're looking at me like, what? The fact that they say in this lawsuit that you're giving basically vigilante rights to the general public that states should be enforcing. Mm. Apparently there was a bar in Massachusetts that wanted a liquor license. And at the time churches were somehow given this power that if you were across the street from a church, they could decide whether or not you were getting a liquor license or not. And a very successful lawyer picked up this case, took it all the way to the Supreme court and won, saying, you can't give the rights of states that the laws of states cannot be upheld by basically the, the people. people. They got their liquor license. And what this did, it gave precedent to the Supreme Court in a case that went all the way up from 1982. And this lawyer is basically saying this should be the argument of why this is not one, it's not constitutional. You can't give these rights to the general public to, you know, get these bounties, these $10,000 bounties. But 
we they may actually have support and precedent from a case from 1982 from a bar that wanted a liquor license in Massachusetts. It may be a gift that is given to the entire country because it is a precedent in the Supreme Court. So we'll see if they actually bring that in and use it because it's it's valid. Yeah, well, I can actually check right now to see if it's in there. Do you remember the name of the case? Oh, my goodness. I'll have to look it up. Um, Let me see if I can find this real quick. You you know, it's interesting and I'm, I'm happy to hear that. But one of the reasons I found this so chilling is that I I had this idea that those five despicable creatures on the Supreme Court who did the shadow docket and then rendered after three days a one paragraph unsigned bit of just absolute nonsense, got their incentive or their idea that they could get away with this from a, a Supreme Court ruling in the, I think it was 1878, during a gubernatorial, sorry, I don't, I don't remember the details, but the gist is do, during a gubernatorial election, in, I think in Mississippi, over 250 blacks were murdered by KKK, you know, to prevent them from voting. And the state refused to take any action. So it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court basically said that because the violence was carried out by non-governmental officials, the federal government couldn't step in. Hmm. And that's what I thought, because that's what would be happening. And it just horrified me because we're talking about over 140 years ago and we're still dealing with this. Yeah, it's I frankly was shocked. I mean, the 140 years is a long time. But the fact that I mean, you've seen the women protesting with the signs like I still can't believe I'm protesting this shit. Mm -hmm. That's just what keeps playing over and over in my head again. It's 50 years Late. It's like this law is almost I'm almost as old as this right. precedent and the constitutionality of it just snatched away. And I thought what was really interesting in the uh, in the lawsuit that um, the Department of Justice put together is they were, you know, they were talking about all of these different sort of ways in which it violates constitutional rights. It wasn't just like the obvious. Right. It's like there's interstate commerce. There's like all these other things that you have to consider. And I, I, th- I thought it was just very, very smart and very well put together. So A.G., the lawyer, um, he's a Harvard law professor. His name is Lawrence Tribe. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Lawrence Tribe. You know who I'm talking about. Yeah. Yep. So it's Grendel's Den. So if it's in there, it's probably Grendel versus the state of Massachusetts, I would imagine. But it's Grendel's Den was yeah. the name of the bar. And so Maddow broke it all down about this being precedent in the Supreme Court, all the way at the Supreme Court, that may help overturn this Texas abortion ban. But <laughs> this is the problem. And first, I just want to say, I mean, AG just laid it out. That's why it took them so long to craft this. Right. And that's fine. And it's good. They should do that. But, you know, still should have said something immediately. What worries me is it's going to go to the same Supreme Court that just threw out two longstanding precedents. That's true. So what do they fucking care? I mean, what, what they have made clear in the same way that Mitch McConnell has made clear, these people have nothing but contempt for American democracy, for American jurisprudence, and for the American people. They're not hiding anymore. I wish I had an argument because I, I don't, I agree with you. Mm. And, and you're right. The precedent that's been set, it has been set for 50 years. Roe Ro has been in law from the Supreme Court for 50 years, the precedent, and you're right, they're ignoring it. So I, I can't, I have nothing, I have nothing to argue with on that. Yeah. And I'm I'm looking here. I don't see the case is called Arno v. Alcoholic Beverages Control 
Commission 377 Mass at all, 1227. And I don't see it in here. Checking one more time. Alcoholic. Nope. The word alcoholic does not Can show. Can lawyers <laughs> argue precedent from a case that they don't actually name in their original suit? Does that make sense? Did that question make any sense? I don't know. Oh, like in, like during arguments? Yeah. Mary shook her head. No, that doesn't make any sense. Dave. <laughs> <laughs> I would imagine so, but I, Based I on think Based on my legal if, expertise, yeah. which is zero. But, you know, Lawrence Tribe was Merrick Garland's law professor at Harvard. And every time Lawrence Tribe writes an op-ed, magic happens at the Department of Justice. I'm just wondering <laughs> if he put a little thing in his ear that said, this is what you should argue. Yeah, that's what I think, honestly, I don't think it's used in this case. And and to answer your question, Dana, I think if you, if it's not in your, if you don't cite the case in your a filing that you probably wouldn't bring it up okay. in court, though it may come up that, you know, the judges sure. may ask about it. But, you know, Lawrence Tribe wrote an op-ed about, you know, hey, Justice Department, you better not represent Mo Brooks in the case against Donald Trump, you know, and what happened? Was she done that for E.G. and Carol? Yeah, I know. I know. And, you know, it was really interesting, Mary, that I noted when I was reading that Mo Brooks decision, all of the case citations as to why they normally do represent Congress people, even in defamation cases, they keep they kept bringing up defamation cases. And I was like, that seems like a there's a kind of subtweeting at, you know, E. Jean Carroll. And I like tried to defend kind of a backdoor defense of their E. Jean Carroll decision. But the next day, Mo Brooks decision was filed. Now, I'm not saying, you know, Merrick Garland wrote it in a day. But, you know, it's just every time Lawrence and Lawrence wrote an op-ed about this. Hey, this is you can't let this stand. And then here we have this lawsuit. So I think Lawrence Tribe has a lot of sway. No, everyone, I don't think it was my tweet. <laughs> but, you know, Lawrence Tribe, I think, definitely has has his ear, has Merrick Garland's Good. ear. Yeah, uh, I do have to take a quick break. We'll be right back. We got some more stuff to discuss. Thank you very much, Mary, for being here. We'll be right back. Stick around. After these messages, we'll be right Hey everybody, it's Allison for The Daily Beans. My favorite food as a kid was always cereal. I would sit down in front of Tom and Jerry or The Muppet Show and like eat a whole bowl and then drink the milk after. But as an adult, I had to give it up because all the cereal I love is full of sugar and chemicals and carbs. But now I have discovered Magic Spoon. It's the best thing ever. It tastes like the cereal we had as kids, but it isn't loaded with fat, sugar, and chemicals. Magic Spoon has magically zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein per bowl, four net grams of carbs, and only 140 calories a serving. It's keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and it tastes amazing. You can build your own box or get a variety pack with available flavors cocoa, fruity, frosted, blueberry, cinnamon, and my current favorite, peanut butter. And Magic Spoon is bringing back two super popular flavors too, cookies and cream and maple waffles. So make sure to get those. They're delicious and amazing. So go to magicspoon.com slash dailybeans to grab your cereal, delicious, delicious cereal, and it's good for you. And try it today and be sure to use our promo code DAILYBEANS, all one word, at checkout to save $5 off your order. Magic Spoon is so confident in their product, it has a 100% happiness guarantee, so if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund all of your money, no questions asked. Remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash dailybeans and use code DAILYBEANS, all one word, to save $5 off. And thanks to Magic Spoon so much for sponsoring the show. Everybody, welcome back. This is a very special episode of The Daily Beans where we find a marijuana cigarette in... Mary's Trapper Keeper, and we have to have a discussion with her. That was planted by Dana Goldberg. Yes, that was planted by Dana Goldberg, who is taking diet pills and is in the band Hot Sunday. Now, 
Uh, no, today, first segment, we talked about the, the lawsuit. Very good. So we're very good, very happy that the Department of Justice is doing something. Wish they would have told us something other than we're very concerned and we're working on it. It did sound like a Susan Collins email. Yeah, I'm, I'm, we're almost reaching the level of trouble. Yeah, I wish that it hadn't used the word concerned. I really do. I'm like, no. But speaking of transparency, Mary, that you were talking about earlier, another thing that's been like peeling a turtle is trying to find out whether or not the FBI is investigating the leaders of the insurrection. You're looking at me about the peeling a turtle. It's not, it's not an okay. image I want in my head. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> my dad used to say that. I don't know. What I don't want to know what it means. <laughs> like squeezing blood from a stone. Unless it's Mitch McConnell. Right. Yeah, we could, that, that works. No one wants to see him without his shell. Yeah, no right, one wants Let's keep going. <laughs> and also, I, I, I just broke my own rule of never making ad hominem attacks. I apologize. Oh, okay. Um, really? You, I never, you have that rule. That's a personal. Yeah. I, cause I, you know, I don't think it's fair game to make fun of things about people. They can't help. That is a nice rule. You can say he's cruel and evil and he is all of those things and he's a traitor and he's a despicable human being, but you know, that's enough. We have that rule too. We do have that rule here on the show. We don't need to make fun of people's looks or anything like that. There's plenty to make fun of Mitch McConnell for that, uh, you know, that are his choices. Right. But this transparency that we're talking about, particularly with the investigation into the insurrection, when I did Mueller, she wrote, I thought they're going to be so tight lipped. It's going to be so secret. I'm not going to have any content for my show. That's not how it turned out. I turned out I had almost two and a half hour episodes weekly because of investigative journalism and leaks and all sorts of things. There was all kinds of news coming out about what was happening inside the Mueller investigation. But we don't know too much about what's happening with the insurrection investigation, other than Merrick Garland has said, yes, I'm I'm investigating it all. I'm investigating everyone. And we've seen some 302s come out, which are the forms that you fill out when the FBI has an interview that say that show that they've been asking about Ties to members of Congress, which insinuates they are investigating members of Congress. We got a report from The Washington Post in February saying they are investigating Alex Jones and Roger Stone. And then we got the Reuters report saying they're not investigating any serious charges like seditious conspiracy or racketeering. They, they, they thought about it in early January and they, they've left that idea in the dust. And there was a lot of misinformation in that Reuters article. But today we found out from Mother Jones, they viewed a search warrant of an Oath Keepers lawyer. The lawyer actually had the search warrant executed upon her and her phone was seized. She was at the January 6th riot. So she was she's also kind of an insurrectionist, but also a lawyer. She multitasks. Yeah. <laughs> apparently got handed it to her. Right. No, apparently one of the nine crimes that they were investigating in that search warrant is seditious conspiracy. So now we have proof that the FBI is investigating and, and pursuing possibly seditious conspiracy charges, at least with regards to this particular Oathkeeper's lawyer, which if it's her, I can't imagine she's the only one. Oh, yeah. Honestly, I, I would like a little bit more <laughs> evidence that they're looking at the people who not just incited it, Donald, but also the people who funded it, organized it, and also the people who are continuing to benefit from it. And by that, I mean the active seditionists who continue to sit in our Senate and our House of Representatives. Absolutely. Uh, quick aside, I think I'm the only person for whom this is the case, but I don't smoke pot and I never have. 
because I'm a total nerd. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> what brought that on? Oh, it was the very special <laughs> marijuana cigarette of something. <laughs> no, no, no. That I would just was ripping that from a very special episode of the Cosby show. A show I've never watched. So there you go. Yeah. Oh, anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, that Theo came home with a, a marijuana cigarette in his notebook, but it was actually his friends. But then they had to have the big drug talk. And then I and then I was referencing Saved by the Bell when I said Dana it was Dana was taking diet I'm much pills. Younger than oh my god. Okay, I enough. actually am not following any of this, and I <laughs> and it's all of my generation. <laughs> and I also don't smoke. I was alive when Roe v. Wade was passed. I also I don't smoke pot. Oh my god. Oh, correct. It's you and me. No, me neither. I think I, no, I don't oh, either. My, we are the only three people. I'm telling you, they're not high right now. In yeah. New York City, I am the only person. No. Yeah, I. I can believe that. Although because of all the secondhand pot smoke, I'm probably high all the time anyway. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I think there have been hints, though, Mary, mm-hmm. that, you know, that they are going to at least be investigating or trying to pursue charges against Donald. This is my concern, though. And it's a new concern because I never thought about it until I, somebody mentioned it on Twitter, my apparently main source of news these days. If he announces a run, will the FBI have to follow its precedent that they only broke for Hillary Clinton that they can't talk about ongoing cases. Well, they only can't do. Well, they first of all, they can't ever talk about they're not supposed to ever talk about ongoing cases. When when Mike Sherwin came out and did that and said that they were looking at seditious conspiracy charges, he's the the Trump appointed D.C. U.S. attorney. He got a lot of a lot of blowback for 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 doing that. And every time Bill Barr would come out and say, you know, we're investigating voter mail-in fraud, we're investigating here, we're not, and we were, like our minds were just exploding because it's like, shut up, you don't talk about open and ongoing investigations. Going all the way back to Comey, right? Yeah. Shut up. Right. But it's different for a private citizen versus a candidate. You know what I mean? Like if you're a private citizen, um, I don't care if I know or not. because Right, but... They still can't talk about it. But what they can't do is within 60 or 90 days, at least this is an unwritten policy that that people want to actually have written down. Some say 60 days, some say 90 days. I've talked to Ellie Honig about this, that, that you can't announce charges or an investigation into anybody running for political office. But it's only in that small window right before the election. Otherwise, you know, if they want to announce charges or things go so quickly. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. I I think it'll be before 2024, though, if they they'll make a charging decision one way or another, I think, before 2024. But there's been hints like all of the people that they're getting like on the small stuff to to plead out, you know, to at least clear the docket a little bit so they can bring the big cases to trial. They're all having them plead guilty to obstruction of a congressional process. Right. The, The verification of the vote. And that actually implicates Trump. Or, you know, Donald, which with, with sorry, I'm forgetting what I'm talking I knew to. who you meant. I don't think people yeah, I know. thought you meant me. Yeah, no, it's all you, Mary. But that that does implicate him. It sets him up for being guilty of incite, instigating the overthrow of the government to, uh, to obstruct Congress. And so I I think that that's very interesting. So at least there's there's hints. But, you know, that's all we're getting is what yeah. I'm saying. And so. You know, or every once in a while, we'll see a search warrant or 302 that says, yeah, they've asked about members of Congress. Yeah, they've asked about the, the leaders of the insurrection. Yes, they're they're looking at seditious conspiracy. But either way, I'm glad it's good news because it means that they are doing some stuff mm-hmm. that we've been wanting them to do. Yeah. But it, it's hard for us as a country to just sit here and be like, is anything happening? We don't know, you know, um, but again, but that's how like, it's supposed to be. I also feel like 
the end of this administration, the entire country was on fire. And so what fires do you put out first? So when we're sitting here going, is anything happening? There are small brush fires being put out all over the place that could lead to a mass explosion, but we don't see it. Yeah. And so I think when they, you know, when the, this administration inherited so much damage, like, where do you start? Mm -hmm. And so there are things that are getting done. There's a lot that is probably getting done that we don't know about. And I don't want to say, you know, we need to keep being patient because I've lost my patience. And I think that the times where they could be more transparent and they haven't been are making everyone else frustrated. So our assumption is things are not getting done. But I think we have to remember that the, the, the fire people are still doing their jobs. We just may not see it. Yeah, this is this is my concern. The election we need to worry about is the 2022 election. 100 percent. We lose the House. We lose the Senate. It's over. It's over. Sorry. America. Yes. It's, um, it's over. Yeah. America. The American experiment is over. So there was a segment on CNN last night about how basically Joe Biden needs to be direct and honest with the American people and give them details about COVID. Like, yeah, did, first of all, did you ever ask Donald to do any of those things? But they made it sound like COVID is entirely his responsibility. All of the failures are down to him. And, you know, I tried my best to correct that absolutely bullshit narrative. But my point is that it seems the the, the American media learned nothing in the last five years. There, I've I've been very upset with particularly CNN's coverage of the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And now this, you know, I see Jake Tapper on the news today saying, Boy, the, you know, the really confusing message about booster shots and everyone's saying, you know, and it's not just me. Everyone says it's confusing. I'm like, everyone says it's confusing because you told them it was confusing. I wasn't confused by any of it. It was very simple and straightforward to me. We're going to need some booster shots. We're going to get ready. We're going to buy all the shit. We're going to have it ready to go. And the FDA says that the booster shots are a go and we're going to send all the shit out. It was clear as fucking day to me. But then we have the media coming out to all oh, this very botched messaging, un, right. you know, lack of clarity. And it's like, because you, right. you're you telling everyone that it's unclear. And also the dis- you're making it unclear. The, the discrepancy they're making such a big deal about is the Biden administration was saying they wanted people to get booster shots sooner. And the CDC was saying they wanted people to wait. So Biden was just, if it was indeed a mistake, and who, I don't know, he was just moving up the timeline a little, which wouldn't hurt anybody. So it's just extraordinary how determined they are to claim that this is as the execrable Brett Stevens in the New York Times wrote, it's another failed presidency. Sure. Because he had he had such a great hand dealt to him, didn't he, Brett? It's unbelievable. They're just so married to these narratives Mm -hmm. that let Republicans off the hook and hold Democrats to a standard that is impossible for anybody to reach. It's quite not something. to mention this is, I mean, we still have to remember this is the first year of the presidency. I mean, for him to say another failed presidency is such a, a horseshit narrative and and clickbait because yep. I understand that the 2022 midterms are again the most important election of our lifetime because otherwise it makes it a lame duck presidency for the last two years, but we are still in the first year. Yes. Eight months. Yeah. Eight months. Yeah. And he hasn't even been able to fill any of his, all of his staff yet. We're not even fully staffed. But, you know, the, if CNN's mad at Biden because he Biden took away their Donald cash cow and Biden took away their Afghanistan cash cow. 
and so they're pissed. So they're trying to they're trying to fabricate scandal out of thin air. And you know, we saw it with Obama. We, we were seeing it with. I mean, I guess it has to hurt that you don't have the fire hose of absolute insanity that we had when Donald was president that that they they all made their livings off of and they're going to be able to retire now. And so I wish they would. (laughs) I I don't know if it's changed too, but I think, and at least I remember that the person put in charge of news stories at CNN was a Donald supporter. Mm -hmm. Like this is, I don't know if we all remember that. I don't know if she's changed positions if someone else is there, but it's not surprising that a lot of these stories are coming out trying to take Biden down. If she is in charge of the news cycle at CNN, it would make a lot of sense. You would just mm-hmm. hope that individual reporters would have some integrity and not and, and push back against that because AG, like you said, they lost their cash cow, Donald, and um, they lost their forever war. But why would reporters care about Afghanistan? They haven't mentioned it in decades. <laughs> so like why all of a sudden is it a big deal? Because I don't know about you guys, but I think, what happened in Texas and with SCOTUS is also a huge deal, but that's a story that was completely ignored. Mm-hmm. So when it was revealed what had happened, the media playing catch up and the rest, not uh, most of us were taken by surprise. We shouldn't have been because this has been, they've been working on this for decades, but most of us were woke up to this dystopian nightmare that we didn't see coming because nobody bothered to tell us it was coming. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. So I think to sort of dispel some of the the media myth that the the message is muddled somehow. Wow, that was a lot of memes. Biden came out today, spoke pretty forcefully and said, okay, new vaccination requirements. Yep. Department of Labor, emergency rule requires all employers with 100 or more employees must be vaccinated or show weekly negative tests. And there he's requiring these companies to give workers paid time off to get vaccinated or to take a loved one to get a vaccination. Yep. I love that. Requiring all medical facilities employees be vaccinated that receive Medicare Medicaid funding. I thought that was a great step. All federal employees now, all of them and contractors must be vaccinated. If you want to work with or for the government, you have to be vaccinated, he says. Then he cleared up the booster shot confusion caused by <laughs> caused by probably just Jake Tapper. <laughs> and then he, he's requiring all educators in the Head Start program to be vaccinated because that's federally funded. Uh, he's ramping up production of at home rapid test kits. And I guess Walmart, Amazon and Kroger and the like will sell them at cost mm-hmm. by next week for the next three months. Very cool. CVS has them already. Yep, And also expanding free testing at drugstores around the country. Yep. And TSA is this was my favorite part. TSA is doubling the fines on travelers that refuse to wear masks. And he says, if if you break the rules, be prepared to pay. And by the way, he says, show some respect. And he he addressed this just this these videos that we keep seeing of unruly passengers, just weird ass people behaving horribly. The Washington Post. Shockingly- oh, sorry, Mary. No, you're probably going to say the same thing. Shockingly. Yeah, yes. And um, in addition to that, the Washington Post actually put out an article. They are training our flight attendants in self-defense yeah. because of these assholes on planes. That's that's I mean, they should do that anyway, because there's always drunk assholes on planes. But the 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 amount of violence against flight attendants has risen so high. It's ridiculous. These people should not be allowed in public, much less unvaccinated and masked. And, you know, with the, the fine should be used to place an air marshal on every jet. Mm-hmm. And anybody who does that gets cuffed, gets 
dragged off to be printed and put in a jail cell. And I mean, the insanity, the the sense of white privilege, yeah. entitlement, these the entitlement people can do whatever the fuck they want. Damn the consequences. That flying on the airlines right. is a right. It's their right. No. It's- Let's be honest. Kathy Griffin got put on a no-fly list for much less than what they're doing up in the air with these flight attendants. Yeah. She got put on a no-fly list for a stupid joke. And it wasn't it yeah. was a, it was a stupid it wasn't joke. A good Absolutely joke. agree. But that's I mean, isn't that how you guys craft your material? You make mistakes, you push the envelope, maybe you go too far, but then you figure out mm-hmm. you figure out where the line is. Like that's how yeah. any of us yeah. work. If we care about our craft, create. Yeah, that's all. She, she just. Yeah. it was. A, it was a mistake. It wasn't funny. It upended her life. What the? And meanwhile, Donald and Donnie are commentating a boxing match. Yep. Yeah. On yeah. September 11th. Really? 9/11. Yeah. 20. I mean, 20 the 20th anniversary. anniversary of September 11th. You know, that's a level of disrespect, and. I don't I there's there just isn't a word strong enough to describe how grotesque that is. The right's going to be totally cool with it. Oh, they'll they'll love it. I'm sure I do have to take one more break. I want to talk about the book and um, our upcoming review of it on the MSW Book Club starting this Sunday. It's going to be available to the public, but I do have to take a quick break. Everybody stay with us. We'll be right back. Hello, Leguminati. It's AG. Businesses waste over four hundred billion dollars a year due to sloppy writing that's confusing, misrepresentative or takes too long. In contrast, better writing enhances brand perception, it improves internal communications, it strengthens relationships with key partners and shareholders and clients, and faster, better writing means better business, which is why your team needs WordTune for teams. WordTune goes beyond simple grammar and spelling correction. It is the only AI-assisted writing tool that understands meaning and provides writing suggestions that can help everyone achieve clear, compelling writing. It elevates your entire team's writing instantly. I love using WordTune because it allows you to highlight any copy that needs revision, And then it offers alternative wordings while maintaining the original meaning and the intent. It knows what you intended to mean. It's incredible. It's possible to shorten or lengthen the sentences or even change your tone. Uh, From internal emails to press releases, sales outreach, customer service support, WordTune improves performance on any project. WordTune works wherever you write online, including Google Docs, Slack, uh, Outlook Web, and WhatsApp. You can try WordTune for free at wordtune.com slash dailybeans. So if you're looking to elevate your entire team's writing, listeners can get a discount for their team today at wordtune.com slash daily beans. Wordtune improves writing efficiency up to four times and better, faster writing means better business. So start writing with Wordtune at wordtune.com slash daily beans. And today's show is also brought to you by BetterHelp, a premier provider of online therapy. You can find professional advice and guidance from BetterHelp counselors. Upon assessing your needs, they can put you in contact with an experienced licensed professional within 24 hours so you can begin communicating right away. As someone you know, I've dealt with PTS and anxiety, and I've learned the importance of seeking help rather than trying to cope alone. And asking for help can be hard, but that's what I love about BetterHelp. It's convenient and easy. Therapy is always available anytime from anywhere in the world. You can log on to your account and message your counselor. You receive timely, thoughtful responses, and you can schedule weekly phone or video meetings. It's really, really amazing. It's more affordable than offline counseling. Financial aid's available, and changing counselors is easy and free. So visit BetterHelp's website and read testimonials like this one from user J.E. who says, Dr. Lily Nelson Maxwell has provided me with an opportunity and space to explore and understand my trauma so that I may heal. I feel comfortable discussing my concerns with her and look forward to our uh, progress. And so you can visit BetterHelp.com slash Daily Beans now. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. And join the over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. 
a special offer for Daily Beans listeners. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash dailybeans. Everybody, welcome back. We're talking with Mary Trump, Dana Goldberg. And coming up this Sunday, Dana, you and me, we're going to start, we're going to start, we're going to dive in to uh, The Reckoning, which I've already chewed through, by the way. I've already read this book, but but we're going to be going through it in six parts. And then for the seventh the seventh episode, we'll have you back, Mary. We'll, we'll, we'll have uh, our patrons will be able to ask questions. They'll send questions in on a, on a form. We'll put that up on the Patreon page so you can ask, start asking your questions if, you, if you've already read the book. But, you know, when, and I have had you on before the book was released to talk about it. But, you know, I, I wanted to just kind of remind everybody because it's been, it's been a while since, since we had that episode, why you wrote this book. I wrote it initially because back in the fall, I was so freaked out about what was going to happen when, if we ever emerged from COVID. And of course, not knowing that we still wouldn't have (laughs) a year later, Um, but that's besides the point, just in in terms of the mental health crisis we were going to be facing. Right. Because I remember, I remember talking to you about it and saying like, we, none of us can plan our future right right now. And that makes things very, very bleak and hard to do. And we were also looking at this election, uh, November 3rd, which was different from any other because the outcomes, the the two different outcomes were so diametrically opposed to each other that it was impossible to imagine my future beyond November 3rd. And I've never been in that situation. Like I'm sometimes I do this too much. I'm a future Zoomer. I like to look ahead. I like to have stuff to look forward to. It was like being like having this black wall in front of me And that sort of added to the stress because unbelievably enough, you know, Donald had a greater than 0.001% chance of getting back in. And we had and we had the whole red mirage where we had to sit there for a week and wonder. Yeah. uh, Which was also just very traumatic. And it's and which gave him an opportunity to start spinning the big lie and also gave Republicans the opportunity to decide once again not to take the off ramp away from him. Yeah. And thereby support him. So I realized that, yes, it, of course, it's very important to, to think about these things. And mental health is something we don't do well in this country. But I didn't think a, a vague conversation about it would be that useful since we all experience COVID so differently. We're reacting to COVID so differently. So I thought instead it would be vitally important to try to figure out how we got here. How did we get to this point where we are so vulnerable to weak, corrupt, cruel, ignorant leaders like Donald and calling him a leader, like makes my skin crawl. But I, yeah, I saw you shudder when, yeah. <laughs> when, that, when that word came out I'm of your mouth. You didn't hear me shudder. Like I was shuddering so hard. <laughs> and how did we be, become so susceptible to the fascist, to fascism, to, uh, to a party that's, that's counter-majoritarian and anti-democratic. And also how did we get to the point where so many of us, 62 million in 16 and 74 million, that number has crushed my soul, 74 million in 2020, who are perfectly cool with having a party that has, as one of its major platforms, white supremacy and racism. I felt like we needed, I needed to figure that out. So I went back and I realized, well, not that I realized, I've known this all along, but the fact that this country was born in trauma. You know, the trauma of the white settlers committing genocide against the native populations, the trauma of white colonists kidnapping 
enslaving and also committing genocide against the African population. And realize that, you know, that cruelty carried on from generation to generation, the cruelty and the trauma that accompanied it carried on to the present day. And that there were also two other through lines. One, the fact that we have never, ever held our corrupt white leaders accountable for anything, including Robert E. Lee. Like who else deserves to be held accountable, right? He's a traitor to his country. He was responsible for the deaths of hundreds of thousands of people. Sound familiar? And he tortured and enslaved other human beings. And yet he was president of the university, which was later named after him. And in the early 70s, Gerald Ford pardoned him. On the other side, so, you know, nobody's ever held accountable. Donald still hasn't been held accountable. That makes my head explode. And then again, we have the strain of white supremacy that continues today and is embraced openly by the Republican Party. And one of the problems that happened because Donald was allowed to get into the White House, which is a, a, a stain this country will never, ever be able to forget. And it, it marks us forever. <laughs> he was he didn't just espouse the views of the, the worst among us. You know, that 22 percent that liberal democracy is designed to contain. He championed their he you know, he championed their views. And from 2017 to 2019, 100 percent of the federal government represented the beliefs, the hideous, dangerous beliefs of the worst among us. That disease has metastasized. So what are we going to do about it? I thought it was really important to figure that out and to try to answer those questions. Yeah. And we're going to talk about all of it. And I look forward to having you back on. And, you know, I keep thinking of, you know, after reading the book, the whites, you know, all of that trauma that the country's born out of. We're all warlike people. And then, of course, we have this immense wealth gap. And because of white supremacy that just drives this wedge between the peasant class and the, and the top one percent. And that is causing a, a lack of education, a lack of health care our inability to get mental health care, educate ourselves, et cetera. And, and it's just turned this country into the ability to uh, elect someone like Donald. And it's I, th- I think that this book is so important and there's so much we need to do. I know um, Dana and Mary, we were talking about like, what can we do? We don't have these, you know, CNP like like the right wing has these think tanks and these organizations and we need these on the left. And we have to I believe you said to me, Mary, I said you, we're trying to figure out what we can do. And you said whatever it is, it's going to have to be collaborative mm-hmm. and huge. Yeah. So and well funded. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the problem. Right. Where do we where are our dark? Where's our dark money? That's what, <laughs> that's what we need to find it. Yeah. Well, I guess cruelty is worth more to people than kindness. right? Yeah. And and hate and cruelty are like drugs. They're addictive and they're they're hard to put down. So we'll see. We're going to have those discussions. And I look forward to reviewing the book. And I thank you for for joining us today. It's been it's been really great talking and, and we'll we'll see you in seven weeks. Uh, thanks so much for having me. It was really great to be here with both of you. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody. It's AG for the Daily Beans. And this segment is sponsored by Toodaloo. You can say goodbye to bland, boring, unhealthy trail mix made with chemicals that can harm you and the planet. Almost all trail mix out there is filled with processed sugars and dirty nuts that are roasted in toxic refined oils like canola, palm, and soybean oil. But not Toodaloo. 
Toodaloo is the world's first all-natural, totally delicious, climate-friendly trail mix packed with plant protein, superfoods, and adaptogens like lion's mane and ashwagandha to support your body and mind. Toodaloo is available in five different flavors, chocolate, maple brittle, coffee, barbecue, and hot and spicy. In each flavor, there are ancient herbs that promote specific functions in the body like better skin or gut health. My favorite flavor right now is Smoke Show. It's the barbecue. It has 42 grams of plant protein per bag. It's also low in carbs and it supports energy flow to get you through the day. Toodaloo is grain-free and non-GMO. It's gluten-free, dairy-free, processed, sugar-free, and their packaging is plastic neutral. It's most satisfying and best tasting trail mix I've ever had. But get this, for each order placed, Toodaloo will regenerate 100 square feet of polluted farmland back into rich, fertile soil. Nutritious food for you and a cleaner planet for us all. Then we've got a special deal for listeners. You get $5 off your first order of Toodaloo. Just visit the coolest URL in the history of URLs, toodaloo.com slash beans. That's toodaloo, T-O-O-D-A-L-O-O dot com slash beans. And Toodaloo is so confident you'll love it. Each purchase has a 100% best taste guarantee. This will definitely become your favorite go-to snack. Seriously, the taste is incredible. So visit toodaloo.com slash beans and try it today. And today's show is also brought to you by Proton. I know I have a lot of entrepreneurs that listen to this show and I, I've, I've, you send me all of your stuff, your makers, your crafters, and a lot of it is so beautiful. I know you guys sell it online. And here's the thing. There's a new app, all-in-one app. It's like a business in a box. It's called Proton with two N's, right? And I think Proton can help you have your best year yet in 2021. And the time is now for entrepreneurs and independent professionals to accelerate ahead of your competitors. And I want to help you do that. So I got together with Proton. Like I said, this is an app-based all-in-one tool for small businesses. And we're announcing an incredible free offer. And I'll get to that in a moment. But first, I want to tell you about Proton. It's the smartest, fastest, easiest business solution I've seen for growing and managing small businesses. And it's all a sing- it's all in a single app. In just a few minutes, you can upload a public profile to showcase your services and products using an integrated app. It's like LinkedIn, only better. You can use Proton's magic mode to interact in your video with PDFs and documents and images to make engaging videos to attract new clients. You provide your clients with hassle-free scheduling by connecting your calendar. So there's no more back and forth phone calls and emails. You can manage your payments through Proton and get paid faster with easy and secure options through credit card, Apple Pay, Google Pay, Venmo, and more. You can track revenue and client analytics to understand your customers and watch your sales grow with one single dashboard to manage it all. Right now, Daily Beans listeners can get Proton free. Yes, completely free. Visit Proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-N dot com slash Daily Beans. Download the app from that URL. Just takes a few seconds and then it just takes a few minutes to set up your public profile. It's all at your fingertips. It's really simple. That's proton.com slash daily beans. Again, proton.com slash daily beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Well, we'll on good news is on the way. And normally Friday, Amy would be here, but we've told you she is out on set doing actressy things. So with me today to read the good news. Thank you, Dana, for filling in. I always love filling in for Amy. Yes. And I got to see my friend Mary. So I get a bonus in all of this. So you're welcome. It's good to be here. It's always amazing and fun to see Mary, I have to say. Yeah. I don't think people realize how one, how funny she is because they don't get the the one-on-one that we do, but her laugh brings me so much joy. She's just a really lovely human being. So I feel very blessed. She is. She's she's a treasure. We didn't get Sebastian landing on her head like we were hoping. the Midas Touch podcast did. But, you know, we did we did get to talk to her about about the stuff about the news today. And I thought that that was important. And I'm really looking forward to to starting her book series on Sunday. 
Me too. But for now, the good news, confessions, corrections, idioms, idiots of the Senate, misheard lyrics, shared swears, find the cat, happy places, what the mutt, limericks, shit kids say, whatever you got, send it into us at dailybeanspod.com. Click on contact. I'll go ahead and kick us off with the first submission from Anna, pronoun she and her. This submission is solely to share the attached find the cat. This is not my picture and not my cat. The same algorithm that overhears you talking about this product and then posts ads in your timeline keeps overhearing the game and wanted me to play. <laughs> Good luck finding this inbred. <laughs> Very cute. I did find the cat. I, this is a crazy picture. I don't understand why all this bread is out here on the blanket anyway, on this tarp. I see, I see the kitty kind of almost like middle right yes. of the bread of the bread pile. Yep. Yeah, there's the kitty. Yeah, oh, that cute. that took that took a lot of bread. That was a lot of bread. That's that's a carb. That's a lot of carbs right there. No. All right. Um, I'll take the next one. Uh, This one's from Derry, pronouns he, him. Go back to where you came from is also the name of a great reality docuseries show in Australia that introduces six Australians to six refugees now in Australia to sit down and share their hard journey. Then the six Aussies are sent out and retrace the refugees' travels to get to Australia and see how difficult it is and why uh, why you have to flee your country. Half are liberal, half are conservative slash racist and against immigration from Iraq, Afghanistan, Indonesia, Africa, an an entertaining eye opener and the most unique reality show ever. Much thanks. Love the show. Cheers. So that was just Derry telling us about go back to where you're from. Sounds riveting. Wow. That's yeah. I had no idea that there was that show. I wonder if I could, uh, you know, sign up for some VPN and get Aussie like Netflix and and binge that totally. and see if I could find it. Go back to where it came from is the name of uh, Wajahat Ali's book. We just had him recently on the show. There you go. Yeah, so that's, I think, what uh, prompted that. His book comes out in January. Uh, absolutely amazing and funny man. Uh, next up from Deb in Loomis, California. Belated Labor Day, thank you. Labor to celebrate. The Los Angeles Fire Department was spotted at a hotel parking lot in Roseville, saw six class one fire trucks, two smaller trucks, and half a dozen pickups. Roseville is 400 miles from Los Angeles, just below the bridge fire and on the way to Lake Tahoe. Bless these public servants who, like the military, go boldly into harm's way to save or to reduce the harm upon their fellow humans, to save or help protect our national treasure of wilderness and wildlife, and to battle nature's worst weather. Whether fire or flood, earthquake or hurricane, tornado or terrorist attack, we as Americans can celebrate the small things, celebrate what's right in the world, celebrate the human spirit. Whether we wear a red hat or a blue hat, a 49ers or a Raiders hat, a farmer's hat or a motorcycle helmet, think of ourselves as a horse or zebra. No matter our stripes, we should all claim and exclaim our pride for those among us who have chosen a career that helps the common good. We can be grateful for the labor of our military, our law enforcement, emergency technicians, drivers and pilots, and certainly our firefighters, doctors and nurses, dentists and therapists, even those carrying our groceries or workers delivering our packages or those who labor on the front lines in food service, all those who serve deserve our appreciation. Labor should always be in favor. They should be greeted universally by all with a big thank you to the firefighters from Los Angeles. Thank you to the firefighters in our county, state, nation, indeed worldwide. Thank you for your labor done in our favor. And may we always think thankfully for your laboring on our behalf. May you all be kept safe to live and labor another day. Thank you. And then- That'd be fantastic submission. They show all the photos here of all the fire trucks. Yeah, that was really, really wonderful. 
um, Deb, that was really, really wonderful. Thank you for submitting that. Absolutely. We have another submission. Jessica pronouns they, them, the Pinko Kami of Alaska is what they call themselves. A law professor Farnsworth from Futurama. Do you think it's a law professor or a LA professor? Oh, Allah, Allah Professor Farnsworth from Futurama. Good news, everyone. Yeah. The, Thank you the, for doing that. Yeah. So I don't have to say it again. Almost, <laughs> after almost two years of climate and COVID quarantine, the children have returned to school and daycare. Bad news because Alaska is run by Dunleavy, the semi-sentient hemorrhoid of an asshat, <laughs> refuses to mandate anything, including masks for our school children. We made it three whole days until we were all homesick with uh. cold symptoms. Now, to imply that a toddler with a head cold is cranky would be to imply that the ocean is damp. <laughs> now, because I'm retired Navy, we get to enjoy the benefits of free medical care at Fort Wainwright. That's right, Fort, ergo, Army, a.k.a. a group of people I trust with very little out of all armed forces, but more than civilians. <laughs> Submission's fantastic. Those people. Yeah, Jessica's awesome. Jessica is great. I'm not a snob. So notwithstanding a global pandemic, I would feel perfectly fine rolling up on base, feeling insulted about being called ma'am, no thanks, I work for a living, and carrying uh -huh. on smartly, except for the fact that if there is one group of people who are simultaneously the most homoerotic and also homophobic, it's the lower enlisted army who have their first assignment in Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> <laughs> These people will do anything to prove to me and anyone listening that they are manly men's by wearing their mask intentionally and properly in so many creative ways that I risk getting more diseases instead of less heading onto base. <laughs> the doctors themselves are great, but since I have a fort nearby, going out in town isn't feasible unless I want to do paperwork with 103-degree freedom units fever. I did get to enjoy three whole days where I got the required alone time to be a relatively pleasant humanoid. Silver linings abound. I even took a luxurious defecation sesh in which nobody tried to ask me why my butt was so big, sitting in my lap throw a tantrum about snacks, or expect technical support from my own Nintendo Switch. <laughs> I see the valley of plenty and abundance ahead and is filled with the joys of pooping alone and the drinking my coffee while it's hot. Pray for us, if you're so inclined. The people with kids are not okay, and we won't be for a long-ass time. <laughs> yes, this is your friendly reminder to check your local voting schedules and learn who your local government body people are. Perhaps writing them lovely flowery letters, uh, a la Civil War letters, home will remind them that you exist and are paying attention. When the global gets tough, the tough get local. Love and warmth from my family to all of yours. And this is a picture of me, it's a meme, me trying to convince my friends we should buy a very large plot of land and start a community. And there's an adorable, beautiful child holding a guitar with flower power. A little hippie child. It's so cute. So cute. Uh, thank you, Jessica, for the brilliant, brilliantly written submission and the humor. Yeah. And the humor. I need you to, I'm going to need you, Jessica, to write a submission every, every week now um, for us because that's just, it's just so well written. And thank you for that. Yeah. I, I want to start. Our caftan commune is coming along nicely. Um, still remodeling and doing some work to get it together, but it's going to be great. You're invited. Uh, next up from JL, pronouns he and him. Thanks for being there when I needed you. I was diagnosed with colon cancer right after the beginning of the pandemic, which resulted in tremendous anxiety in our house. 
I am an emergency medicine physician. My wife and I spent the next year suffering from, one, chemo and radiation side effects, two, guilt over not being able to work beside my colleagues who were risking their lives to care for others, and three, existential angst. You do not know if you're spending what might be the last year of your life poisoning yourself for no good reason. But in my case, it worked. Cancer-free so far. Karen and I learned a whole new level of intimacy. We got married at 17 and 18, so you know what intimacy meant to us at at the beginning. Sex. But being awake together at 2 a.m., sharing our fears and reflecting on how many fantastically good things had been part of our life together, that is a new kind of intimacy that we did not foresee. I don't remember how I stumbled across your podcast, but the good news segment pulled me in and I'm now stuck. All things negative can be, should be contrasted by good things. It's like Newton's law, right? Every action deserves an equal and opposite deserves. <laughs> has I equal think it opposite. does deserve as well an equal and opposite reaction. <laughs> All things negative uh, can and should be contrasted by good things. I will attach, I hope technological troglodyte that I am, a picture of Sally the Wonder Dog, who seems not to care about anybody, but actually is incredibly sensitive to the emotional state of her subjects. She is 17 years old, can ignore you in any language, especially now that she's mostly deaf and blind but has always been there when we need her. I have no idea what breed she is, except for she is the right dog for us. Please note, in her younger days, she was totally a brown dog. She loves her perch on the landing where she can look out the living room windows, even though she has no clue about what she is barely seeing. If you're ever in Iowa, we have a place saved oh for you. Oh my goodness, look at this baby. Oh, what a honey. Not a honey indeed. <laughs> 17. Woohoo! My goodness. Probably, probably part chow. Probably part chow. Yeah. Ooh, AG, there's a court Uh-oh. case. All right. Amy's court, but Amy's not here. So that's that's you, Judge J, uh, Judge D- D- DG. That's hard to say. It is Judge DG. All right. This is from ASL. You put the DG in judge. I do indeed. Although it's not how you... That's fine. All right. It's in the middle. It's right <laughs> yeah. in the middle, people. All right. From ASL in SAG. Honorable... Dana Goldberg. I've never been on the set of a big budget movie. I've heard of directors getting mad at background actors for talking during a scene because it means that they'll have to be paid more or something. Is that true? For instance, if a bartender is in a scene with no scripted lines, hands a drink to the main character, the main actor pays, and the bartender says, thank you, then the person playing the bartender gets paid at a higher rate if they keep the line in the movie, right? But what if the bartender signed thank you and they left it in. How do they treat that? Okay. Thanks for the court's attention. Here's a picture of monster guarding the fridge. Now, obviously this is probably something Amy would have known more than Dana. So we're going to, we're going to pontificate. What is the right word? We're going to just decide what we think. Yeah. uh, We're just going to make it up. I think is what you're trying to say. Although I can attest to the fact that you have to be SAG to speak in a movie. And if you're not SAG and you're just an extra and they do get a line of you in the movie, then you have to be retroactively paid SAG wages. Yes. Uh, but I don't think it automatically gets you your SAG card, but you can get a SAG voucher then for that movie. And that will you need three of those to get into SAG, uh, which is weird because you can't get a SAG voucher without being in SAG. Right. And you can't get in SAG without a voucher. But three of them is a matter. Or of you can get Taft Hartley in. So if they really want you in this film and they give you mm-hmm. a speaking role, they call it Taft Hartley. In. And so there's also that option. Yeah, we do know that you and I didn't know that much. What I don't know is about the sign language as the sign language yes. question. I honestly don't know. Although I would imagine you could 
easily say because, I mean, SAG is a union, you know, you could say, hey, that's a speaking part. I'm speaking. That's how I speak. My assumption is that if the actor was hired as a deaf actor and knowing this, they were playing the bartender. And so their response or, or the person buying it, if I'm mixing it up, uh, no, 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 the bartender says, thank you in sign language. My assumption is that if they were hired as a deaf actor and to, or hired to play a deaf character and they were saying thank you and signing it, that would count as speech. There's no reason why it wouldn't. It's a language in and of itself. So my opinion is that they would have had to have been hired with the understanding that their response was going to be signed. Right. Like if I'm a speaking actor and I sign thank you. I, I don't think I'm entitled to SAG wages. Not unless it's part of the script. And if you're already a speaking actor, you're you're getting paid for something else anyway. Unless I'm not speaking at all. I'm not Correct. supposed to speak at all. Right. Correct. I don't think like if someone was like walking through the set and was like, I love you in sign language that they would be like, shit, now we need to pay that person. <laughs> yeah. Or cut that scene. Right? Cut the no, scene. Yeah. yeah. I would be I shocked actually if they kept a scene unless it was integral to the script and integral to the scene where someone said something that they should not have, I don't think they would keep that because they would know they'd have to pay out and then tap tartly that person into set. Yeah. Unless they said something absolutely amazing and we're like, we have to keep this in the movie. And then they tapped Hartley them. Right. Yeah. Well, interesting case. You know what? I will, I will see if Kanai can kind of resubmit this and we can ask Amy Perfect. so we can actually get the real answer for you. <laughs> Neither of us um, know. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> We're just hypothesizing. We're just deciding for, for the entirety of SAG-NAFTRA. But anyway, thank you so much for sending in your good news submissions and your stories. And uh, Jessica, I'm, again, you're required now to, to, to submit on a weekly basis because your writing is just so great. Everyone's uh, submissions were amazing. Thank you for the pictures. Thanks for the pile of bread with the cat in it. And uh, if you have anything, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. And that's the show. Do you have any final thoughts before we get out of here, Dana? No final thoughts. It was good to be here on a Friday. I'll be back in your ears Monday morning. Thank you for taking the time. And thanks again to Mary Trump. And I will see you Sunday for the book review, my friend. Looking forward to it. Until then, everybody, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet and take care of your mental health. I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane, with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com.